The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. This is not a buy, sell or hold recommendation for any particular security. Welcome to 91's 2024 Investment Views. In this series of conversations, our investment professionals and portfolio managers will explore their views for the year ahead and assess the outlook for their asset classes and regions. My name is Sahil Mathani of the 91 Investment Institute. I'm here to discuss our 2024 investment views with my colleague, Philip Saunders. We're going to talk about what next year's macro environment looks like, what the opportunities are for investors, and how they should be positioned. So, Philip, we're here. We're talking about the outlook for 2024. It's fair to say the market had a fair few surprises for 2023. We had a uh, US recession that failed to materialize. Uh, a powerful Chinese recovery that investors expected. Uh, those expectations were dashed. Um, the dollar weakness that we saw at the beginning of the year turned into a period of dollar strength. Uh, surprisingly as well, emerging markets stayed relatively resilient in the face of uh, a rampant US economy and a strong US dollar. Um, equities mostly held up, although there was quite a lot of churn. Um, and all this was happening in the context of uh, fraught geopolitics, which took us from not just one front in East Europe, but to another front in the Middle East. So when I think about 2024 and I say, what is the market pricing in for that period? We're looking at a period of uh, relatively strong earnings growth, double digit earnings growth that the market is pricing in, uh, very few credit issues. Uh, inflation at about two-ish, oil prices falling, modest Fed cuts priced by the end of the year, and all this is supposed to happen amid secularly low rates. So is the market getting it right, Philip? Well, I think that uh, certainly the market's view is going to be tested over the next year. Uh, and I think particularly so on the growth front, um, because at the moment, basically, we've got positive earnings expectations for next year uh, and the year after from a sort of bottom-up perspective. That's what analysts are saying. And often analysts, you know, can get it more right uh, than people are taking a sort of purely sort of top-down top -down view. However, I think that I look at Europe and Europe's already in a recession. Uh, and recessions t tend to have a dynamic of, of, of their own. Uh, and it doesn't look as if that's going to change anytime soon. China's recovery is stuttering uh, and may well continue to do so, although there is scope for a more positive surprise at some point next year on that front. Uh, and then the US, which uh, you know has proved to be extraordinarily resilient. Um, we saw, you know, we've experienced uh, um, a very significant dollar recovery after a period of weakness prior to that, as people thought that the interest rate cycle was stopping out. But I think this time around, uh, I think that the forces of uh, sort of pressing down on growth um, are quite profound. So I think that uh, the risks to growth in the US, I think, are going to be on the downside, certainly in the first half of, uh, of the year. Uh, and that means that some of the expectations built into markets at the moment, uh, you know, are going to be tested. I think on the other front, 
Um, you know, interest rates, um, particularly real interest rates, have gone up to levels that were unimaginable actually even a year ago. Uh, but I don't think it's possible to withstand real interest rates at these kind of levels. Uh, so, uh, so we think that uh, from a cyclical perspective, you know, at least it looks as if the peak in interest rates is being put in probably uh, at the moment before this year has run its course. So if we're expecting growth weakness amid high real interest rates, does this mean you have an expectation that inflation will continue to settle? Yes. I mean, I think that inflation you know, has proved to be a lot stickier. Uh, you remember all that talk about uh, how transitory inflation was going to be Quite. from the Fed, Fed chairman. Uh, and, you know, it's been, um, you know, it's, it's been an extraordinary uh, ride you know, after a period of very, very quiescent inflation. And we know the sort of genesis behind that in terms of the extraordinary stimulus uh, that was uh, uh, put in place to offset the effects of uh, the COVID pandemic. Um, but now I think that uh, we're seeing very real progress on the inflation front. In the force of inflation uh, are receding at the moment, and we think that they'll continue to recede. So I think the markets are sort of at least equity investors are right on that front in the sense that inflation has the scope to sort of, uh, certainly on a cyclical basis, to fall back quite sharply. But, uh, but, but, but actually, um, on the other hand, you know, if that doesn't come with sustained growth, a soft landing, uh, then earnings expectations are simply too high. If we're about to see a peak in interest rates, Philip, are equity markets in a new bull market or are we in something different? Well, I think I think the answer to that is probably something different in the in the sense that uh, uh, I think that interest rates have to peak, uh, and the circumstances in which they're peaking uh, suggests that um, if you like, sort of growth is going to have a somewhat negative trajectory. You know, in terms of cyclicality, uh, we're likely to see interest rates peak first. Um, equities prob possibly continue to uh, uh, test their lows. Equity markets test their lows. Um, um, uh, before a durable bottom is actually put in. But on balance, clearly, a peak in the interest rate cycle is is net-net positive. And if you look inside equity markets, look at equity market internals, uh, then it's really quite interesting in the sense that uh, stocks that have been very interest rate sensitive have really suffered badly. Uh, so there's been very significant rotation within markets. Some sectors that should have been defensive just haven't been like consumer staples and utilities. Mm. So this is, a, this is a different cycle. And, uh, and they should probably bottom first. Um, and I think a lot of the value is concentrated in the sort of more challenging cyclical areas of markets. Um, but uh, a uh, cyclical culmination is typically an opportunity to build exposure uh, to areas that you believe are, offer attractive value and returns uh, on a medium to longer term basis. So we have a, a huge rotation within markets that may provide investors with compelling opportunities as the year evolves. Absolutely. And we might be there in many cases. You know, the divergence in terms of the dispersion in terms of valuation has been pretty extreme, um, not only within developed markets, also uh, in the context of uh, the emerging world as well. But, um, but again, it's sort of one of those opportunities to accumulate, accumulate exposure. Weakness provides that opportunity. I'd agree with you on emerging market equities. I think in many ways the bottom is in sight after a 13-year relative bear market uh, to develop market equities. And I think 
one thing that is happening is that you are starting to see some emerging markets become winners of the new multipolar world. I think of countries like Mexico or Vietnam, which are attracting a disproportionate amount of the FDI that is being deployed globally. Um, I think if we are to see a period of weakness in uh, the global economy, and in particular the US economy, that might lead to a period of dollar weakness. And we know emerging market assets tend to rally very strongly uh, in the year after the dollar has peaked. Um, I think potentially an EMFX rally will uh, reduce inflation pressures further and allow more room for policy easing, uh, which will create a better environment for emerging market businesses who've had to suffer a massive cost of capital differential relative to developed market companies over the last decade. And so you might see a cascading series of events in the real economy that underpin tailwinds for emerging market assets in particular. Yeah, I totally agree. And in a way, basically, the first half of 2023 was a bit of a dress rehearsal for that. The dollar came off significantly. Um, that eased the pressure on EM, and EM actually performed pretty well. And then we saw uh, interest rates, you know, inflation remaining very sticky in the US, interest rates sort of having to sort of continue to go up. Uh, the bond market sell off after that, um, a uh, dollar ending up at levels uh, above beginning of the year levels. Mm. Uh, and, you know, EM basically has been sort of uh, uh, crushed a bit against that background. Uh, but, but I think that uh, uh, in an environment whereby you see a more multipolar world, um, a uh, so much more sort of regional trade, a catch up in terms of capex, an easing of uh, international interest rate pressures uh, from the particularly extremely high levels that we see at the moment, uh, then that as a background for EM is pretty constructive. And as we know, investors are, um, you know, they've, um, you know, they've are pretty negative about EM. So EMs are very much out of fashion because they've had this sort of terrible relative cycle. Um, but, uh, but again, if you look at the fundamentals of many of these economies, they progressively got better. Look at Brazil, for example. You know, current account uh, position is sort of dramatically improved. Uh, the scope for interest rates to come down is dramatic also. And one thing we, we should keep in mind is the behavior of a lot of these emerging market assets has changed. Uh, one of the things I was struck by is how the relative beta and the relative volatility of emerging market assets to developed market assets uh, has, has fallen. In many cases, emerging market assets are less uh, risky along these portfolio indicators than developed market assets. So that might be something to, to monitor as the year evolves. Um, but Philip, We've, we've talked about the global economy, we've talked about risk assets. Uh, I mean, what should investors do over the next year? How should they be positioned? I mean, let's start with cash. Hmm. You know, cash has tremendous allure at the moment because interest rates are at levels that we've, you know, you know, we've almost forgotten about. You know, actually, you can take this low risk asset and sit on it and earn a pretty decent rate of interest. Um, and uh, however, um, what we do know about cash, it's, you know, it's like a it's like a rental without a lease, you know, in the sense that basically the interest rate now is attractive, but uh, uh, but we're at the peak of an interest rate cycle. And so interest rates, uh, even though we think they're going to remain more elevated than they were in the past cycle in the cycle we're moving into, um, that doesn't mean that they can't fall pretty sharply against the background of uh, uh, weaker, lower inflation rates um, and weaker economies. 
so peak interest rates, they're going to come down. So investors need to be thinking about how they lock in uh, the rates, the attractive rates that we see at the moment on you know, relatively low risk assets like government bonds. So duration is an opportunity. Duration is definitely an opportunity now. And what about uh, credit? So credit is a little bit more difficult because nominal interest rates look pretty attractive, uh, but the default rate is rising. Um, we don't know where it's going to get to, uh, but we know that uh, these kind of rates make refinancing more challenging. Uh, and a lot of zombie companies have been kept alive by super low interest rates. You know, one of the negative, one of the many negative impacts of the QE era. Mm. Uh, so on a selective basis, provided you can lower prospective default rates, the returns on, for example, investment uh, on developed market investment grade bonds, or indeed emerging market corporate investment grade bonds, you know, look pretty attractive on a medium to longer term basis. So I think that that is more of a medium term view, um, whereas the view about cash and duration, that's a more, it's a shorter term cyclical view. Uh, but, but it's going to take a while for us to sort of get back to the current level of short term interest rates, I guess. And where, where are we on equities, Philip? So equities, I, I think that we've got to go where the value is. Um, and we've got to think about what the dynamics of the next cycle might be. Um, obviously, the previous cycle has been extraordinarily favourable to the sort of big, uh, large um, uh, tech growth businesses. Um, and I think in the next cycle, um, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a CapEx-driven cycle. Look at the geopolitical environment. It remains very contentious. That, I think, is a spur to mm. CapEx. Uh, actually, very low interest rates uh, uh, you know, actually led to a misallocation of capital and lower CapEx. Uh, so um, normalizing the cost of capital, I think, doesn't mean that uh, CapEx is going to be crushed. I think quite the opposite. And so beneficiaries of that that are lowly rated at the moment uh, should do pretty well in that environment if that's the case. So, Philip, if I think about what we've said today, and I think about what our outlook was last year, we called it a period of culmination. But in many ways, the culmination that we forecasted this year is likely to emerge over the coming year. And one thing we see is that, um, as we discussed, uh, cash rates are an opportunity in the, in the short term, but they have medium-term reinvestment risks. So inv investors want to hedge against that by accumulating uh, duration. There's probably um, an opportunity in credit, which is supported uh, by low issuance and low-ish low default rates. Um, in terms of equities, there might not be a huge amount of uh, movement from the start of the year to the end of the year in terms of starting and finish points. There may be a lot of movement in between, uh, but there are opportunities to accumulate favored positions in uh, particular sectors and regions under the hood in the equity market. And I think for emerging markets, uh, many investors agree that at some point in the coming uh, year, they will, there's likely to be a cyclical opportunity. I think the question for, uh, for investors who are looking at emerging markets strategically is whether that moment comes next year. And I think there's a probability that that moment will arrive, provided you get confirmation of a slowing US economy, provided you get confirmation that the dollar has peaked then you could very well be in a new cycle. And that cycle could have a different leadership 
than it than the last cycle had, and that could be very favourable to emerging market assets. I totally agree with that, Seal. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Philip. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views of the podcast are those of contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. Thank you.